16th of June. It might be the 17th. It is actually the 17th. And we are headed now from Brunswick, Georgia, apparently the home of Brunswick Stew, but uh, there's two locations in town that boast to have the oldest Brunswick stew pot. That is a stew with barbecue, lima beans, corn. It's good. Um, so I'm crossing this bridge. It's super high. The clouds look amazing. I'm coming from Beverly Buchanan's Marsh Ruin, which is, like I said, in Brunswick, Georgia, and I'm headed south to America Beach. And here I will visit a sculpture garden of a fellow who has a personal shrine to Jesus and Mary and all them. And I will also go to the beach that is, was traditionally like a black vacation spot. Of course, I'd never heard of it, but let's see what it's like. I've, I haven't really spent, spent much time in Florida at all. If you could see where I'm at right now, it's splendid. I mean, this bridge is over marshland. The clouds are fantastic and the shadow from the bridge is making stripes on the highway. I can't talk about it or I might crash. The speed limit's 50, I'm going 60. Um, I should have started this recording in the beginning of my trip, so I'm just going to take a moment to recap what has happened so far for myself as well because I've been feeling a little bit like, okay, here I am going to all these places. Okay, oh yeah, I'm going to make drawings or whatever, but I don't really... Um, I maybe it's a skill thing, maybe it's a whatever self-consciousness thing, but I don't feel that I can capture what I find so fantastic about this area in a pencil drawing, and I'm not somebody who's working really with paint, so I figure that this description mode might help a little better, although it is my... Um, yeah, a big belief of mine that, well, maybe a belief is too strong, but I was thinking about it today. Um, yeah, just physically putting myself, my body, in these various places is important for me. Um, I've learned so much about the area that I grew up in and all kinds of possibilities of my past. Of course, it's a sort of blank slate. You know, in some you can say that's a tragedy, but in other cases you can see that as a very big opportunity. I would never want someone who was not in a position to have had their history completely erased make that point, but uh, I think I can say it. All right, just a quick list of where we've stopped so far. Shangri-La Village, Whirly Gig Park, we have been to um, the Bellamy House. We have been to the museum in Elizabeth City. We've been to the Great Dismal Swamp. We have been to Supply, North Carolina, to see Mary's Gone Wild. Mary Paulson and Paul Paulson out there in the country living a fucking dream with the Doll Museum, which just opened on Friday. Last Friday. So it's been open a week. I was one of the first visitors. I have a recording of about half hour of Mary explaining all the dolls in that museum and her um, inspiration behind what she does. 
I'm really interested in these American cheap uh, steeples of all these churches out in the country, and I would like to make some sculptures based on them that are lit by UV lights that have the appearance of the lights near the baseball stadium, the baseball field that I saw this morning, which has ruins of tabby concrete, slave uh, chimneys. And I don't want this to seem like, oh my God, slaves, but that's just like a fact of it. So I'm trying to figure out a way to like, I don't know, have the right amount of focus on the situation, but also take a look at the ingenuity. Maybe that's not a fine desire, but we shall see. Anyway, coming down after being in Hilton Head at the Fish Hall Plantation, where I made videos. Um, I Oh yeah, I was in Charleston, but I didn't see nothing in Charleston. After Charleston, I went to the um, Oyotunde, Oyotunde Village in Sheldon. Well, technically not in Sheldon. It's actually apparently a sovereign... Um, it's apparently a sovereign land, but I got to look into it because... It seemed in disrepair. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. It seemed in disrepair. It's $25, first of all. And for being a... I don't know. I don't know. I got to look into it more. And, I, and I'm trying to, like, figure out if my issue is, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it. I'll have to talk to you more about that later. Um, anyway, I, I did visit, and I was glad glad to see it. I was glad to see it. Let's put it like that. Um, so, yeah, after that, I went to basically what... Okay, so when I was a kid, I knew Hilton Head as a place where upper-middle-class white families would go to vacation... Um, and it turns out that there's a hell of a lot of black history there. Um, Mitchellsville is the first, um, yeah, Freeman settlement in the United States. And that's right there around the corner from whatever, Harris Teeter or whatever. Uh, an interesting thing about Hilton Head is it seems as though the city has ordinances on commercial buildings. So whereas when you're out in the country, like down 17 before you get to Charleston, you have tons of ads for sweetgrass, um, you know, sweetgrass basket weavers and people selling peaches and all kinds of stuff, cremations, whatever, stones, all kinds of stuff, blueberries. Um, but once you get into Hilton Head proper, all the, um, commercial things, even those that are like chains, like a Wendy's or whatever, their signage is all the same, this sort of beige, it's got like a business park feel, but it, uh, the trees save it because you have these big, beautiful trees. I mean, the landscape is fucking spectacular. Uh, yeah, anyway, so that catches us up, really. Um, my biggest observation so far is like, this notion of nostalgia is like not true. <laughs> Because these things that people seem like, think, oh, that's old-timey or whatever. This is people's, like, real lives. They're, like, living in it. You know? Like, really? 
And I don't mean that like, oh, wow, that's what I do. Not to exoticize it, but it's um, very American. Very American. I was thinking earlier or a few days ago, America is not the best, best place to live, but I got to tell you, it really is the best place. I mean, I've seen parts of this part of this parts of this part of the country, if you can imagine that, that have really blown my mind during this trip. Um, and it continues. Okay, signing off. Headed south to America Beach. Yee, yee, yee. Welcome to the Listening Tide. Um, our guest for this episode uh, and who you've just been listening to is Alex Phillips. Hello. <laughs> um, welcome to the Living Room, Alex. Oh, thank you. Um, that sounds like the beginning of quite a journey. Um, actually, it sounds like quite a journey had already been had. Uh, there's more journey to it, which we'll get to, I suppose, in a moment. Um, that moment you were there in the car, it, it sounded like a sort of a, maybe not a breaking point, but there was an, an initial realization of where you were at, the things you had seen, possibly already inspiring things to come. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the trip itself. Uh, how did you end up in this car driving over the bridge? Um, well, I planned this trip actually the winter before um and i laid out a plan like a research plan that was supported by cbk thank you to them um but the idea to take the trip had been kind of ruminating for a while um yeah i'm not a very good driver so there's like <laughs> that whole part there was like really like a learning part for that but the trip itself as far as the content I was really just curious to get a sense of the type of visual landscape that, yeah, I grew up around to sort of revisit familiar things um, with a new sense of perspective that living away from the country has given me. So thereby like returning to it and yeah. seeing if you would see and hear things differently again. Yeah, and returning with a, a new appreciation and I guess a sort of like, uh, you know, like the old thing, you know, like when you miss something mm -hmm. or like whatever, miss, what is it? That's like, what you meant by nostalgia when you mentioned it? No, like missing, like something makes the heart grow, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And distance. Yeah, yeah. and distance. So I feel like being here in the Netherlands and... Um, because you're based in Rotterdam. Yeah, I'm based in Rotterdam and I've been working in the Netherlands really since around seven, uh, 2017. And uh, yeah, I guess change of scenery highlights particular things about anybody's practice. And I found myself tracing a lot of those things back to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious to look at it through that. And your initial plan was uh, to make drawings? Well, that's what I told them. I mean, I do, I have made a lot of drawings in the past in other trips, like, but I have to say those are drawings of history that's less alive. I think that's what I found to be a challenge on this trip. In this case, I was overwhelmed with how, um, yeah, kind of what I was saying in that, how close, uh, how close history feels to progress right. in the United States and especially outside of like a city 
Maybe everybody goes to New York, LA, Chicago. Mm. But I think these roads leading into the cities have have uh, a character that I I just don't really see in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the listeners at home to understand, uh, for this episode, Alex, you offered a lot of audio material. Yes. Um, we'll get to a very specific part of that later. Um, some of the other meanderings, exactly what you're saying, they really are sort of like everyday life that comes by. So a lot of this is, as you say, it's also the real lives of people. It isn't uh, just a historical setting no. constantly. No, not at all. I mean... But that's also what you looked for. So how do how these histories that are relevant to this this specific area mm -hmm. uh, do or don't tell the story of of that, and also in relationship to your own history to yes. the area itself? Is yes. That, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. that's fair. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Or you know, you got like a hunch. I mean, right. Or see things that would that. Yeah, suggest there's more to the story and it comes in all things, maybe like news articles, maybe like ac other artworks that exist, right? Like in that recording, I'm leaving that piece by uh, the Beverly Buchanan piece mm -hmm. and right, that work is placed there because of a specific story that I didn't know about until I encountered that work. So there's all these different ways into like understanding history, I right. feel like, yeah. And just for that, because we I don't think we really mentioned it yet, and it's important, You, yeah. what's your relationship to North Carolina? Oh, so my father's side of the family, all they're all from there. I wasn't really born in Winston-Salem, but we moved there when I was like in third grade. So I was like reared there. I went to right. high school and everything there. And um, yeah, my mom still lives down there and... Yeah, all the things, all the formative things yeah. were ha happened there. Yeah. Was the confrontation big in the end? Like what you took back? Or maybe the, it's not even a confrontation, but is that sort of like juxtaposition of the Netherlands and Europe and that? Oh, I mean, formative it's Formative and all of it? Yeah, I mean, the and the, it. like I said, it's not, I mean, I say it in there, like I I'm happy not to live in the United States at this time, but I'm also happy to be from there. Mm -hmm. um, I think that one thing that I would say I took from it, not so much in the, of course, the places are different, but of course we want them different, right? It's fine to have places be different. I would never expect places to be the same. But um, one thing that I did or that I found myself thinking about a lot is um, – who is allowed to have like kind of pride for where they're from, mm -hmm. you know, and that's an interesting thing because I feel like within the United States, there's one of the few things maybe that we're a little bit nuanced at is understanding that like pride in your history or where you're from doesn't like mean like nationalism necessarily. And so. <clears throat> Meaning it's often cultural. Yeah. It might be something like a smaller story. Hmm like a more personal story that makes you proud to be where you're from okay. and not like a, what about the, you know, not about how the place votes or whatever. Right. So that is something that I definitely feel is misunderstood maybe mm -hmm. over here. And I feel like meeting people or witnessing certain histories or, yeah, just paying more attention to different storylines within the South has made me 
more reassured that it's okay. And a lot of these storylines were told to you through, uh, call it like small initiatives, museums. Um, yeah, like where I'm the only visitor in forever and they're super nice to you. These yeah. kind of museums, you know, like you're not from around here, huh? Kind of museum and then somebody wants to tell you the next place to go. Very welcoming. Um, probably boring if you're from the area, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, mostly small things. And then some things that um, I found kind of by myself, but not really. Like this roadside atlas, there's yeah. a great app that you can find weird stuff, but okay. those aren't really part of the main story. What was like a good museum, uh, like a good, a good story there? Um, the museum in Elizabeth City, I think is great. What state is that? That's in North Carolina. Yeah. So I started... Yeah, give us a little geography. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I left Winston-Salem, which is in the Piedmont. So that's in the middle of the state of North Carolina. And North Carolina is, well, they were the last to join the Confederacy, but they're two below the Mason-Dixon line. So yeah. you have Virginia. So I ended, I was going up to Virginia to the border mm -hmm. of North Carolina and Virginia. And there you have Elizabeth City, which is actually, actually where my father went to college okay. too. So there's like a lot of autobiographical sort of meanderings in this too but so there you have the great dismal swamp which is an interesting we can't really go into it now but it's an interesting thing to look into as like an important land feature in the early united states and about how people navigated like crazy <laughs> crazy landscape but the museum there in elizabeth city has like like local museum stuff. But mm. when I was there, I saw like a maybe 50-year-old guy and he had his son. Maybe he was like 47. He had his son with him who was maybe seven or eight. Right. And they were going through an exhibit all about farming in the area because it's an agricultural area. And, you know, first they had something with the Native Americans and like pots. And so the guy's explaining to his son, okay, you know, I, I'm a farmer. My daddy was a farmer and his daddy was a farmer, right? So the guy says, yeah, you see this? You know, this is all the tools from the Native Americans. So then they came and took all their land. Isn't that something? Then he moves on to the early tools. And he's like, yep, and this is what they used to use. And can you believe that? They took all their land and then they made us work it. Isn't mm -hmm. that something? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't with a sense of, it was, a, it, it was just factual, right? So that right. museum has... Basic things that if you look at it from a certain perspective, you can learn a lot and you can also still be proud. So that I like that museum. There's a positivity in that or just a reality? Maybe There's a, a reality. Hmm. There's a reality in it. And um, Is that what you meant by when you said, you know, the, what you just mentioned in you know, slavery? That's not what I'm interested in. Yeah, because uh, there's a reality like that's fact, not feeling. And I'm interested in understanding more of the of the feeling and not the and like the feeling that comes of it and like what people have done with that situation and how it's been processed instead of um not instead of but alongside and with a strong emphasis on the other side you know like yeah. instead of sticking with just like this the bad sad parts yeah. because that is like true but if we do one chapter more, maybe we could all, I don't know. It uh, makes m me understand it better. 
and that those things are also true. So why highlight one side? It just seems rigged, like rigged. Sorry to say that it sounds like, <laughs> but it does. But it's also looking for it. Uh, I mean, what you, if I understand correctly, yes. what you're saying, it's not necessarily uh, in any way sort of retroactively looking at things differently or wanting to do that. It's accepting the reality of slavery as it is, uh, and still has its effects today yes. and was. Yes. But alongside that, uh, seeking, let's say, the resonances of it as a reality from which to move on Looking, and how that moves on. Yes. And and here's what I have found time and time again, like whether it's from a lived experience going to seek it in this trip or, you know, from a desk reading, there's so many stories of like resilience, of invention, of taking a real shit situation and transforming it. And I think that if you can tell the situation and and the way that people were able to rise above in their personal situations that you just have a fuller picture of the actual story. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. 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 And that also offers it a larger view than just the aspect of slavery itself. I mean, that's imagine something that you repeatedly and constantly are somehow surrounded with uh, in where you were, yeah, but, but it's not the only story. It's not the only story. And if I'm really honest, like, yes, I know it. I know the story. Right. I didn't like live through that personally. I realize I'm saying this from a seat where I'm like free of any threat of bodily harm. Like I understand I'm sitting here from a privileged position. I get that. But I also think that it behooves everybody to learn like the whole story, like mm. the whole so like the story keeps growing as well i mean that's what you were searching for i I imagine Uh, as you say that museum has a father and a son stating the reality itself they leave the museum uh, and just like a lot of other people you know yeah i mean he walked through the whole thing there's a whole that museum exhibit ends with a you know ice cream truck or a a lunch counter, not an ice cream truck, a right. lunch counter, right? And it's the story of the sit-ins, right? That happened in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm. right? And the dad says, like, right, it goes through the war, yeah? It goes also through World War, uh, war yeah, through, yeah, mm-hmm. through World War Two, right? And everybody went to fight. Then we ended in the lunch counter, and the dad's like, and can you imagine you wouldn't even be able to sit there after all that? Isn't that something? Right. But it, but they were just going through the museum. See, nobody was feeling bad about themselves. It's just a fact. And then, and then, and that's the part that I feel like is missing from a lot of the conversations. The and then part. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Um, I think maybe let's let's, uh, let that be the lead in to the to one of the end ends. You got to. I mean, along the way, which happened after the the last recording in in your in the car, uh, you met someone, uh, yeah, which became a big part of the journey as well. Yeah, uh, Joe Minter. Yes. Um, um, I think before we listen, you should just say who's Joe Minter. Like, give him give him a good example. Like, give him a good intro. Sorry. Okay, Joe Minter is an artist working in Birmingham, Alabama, and he. I would call him an installation artist. Um, He's a very skilled sculptor. 
and he has a bunch of property like near a cemetery in Birmingham, Alabama called the African Village in America. And there he makes artwork. Lots of it from a lot of material. Yes, he uses he uses what he's got. I mean, he is uh, very prolific. And um, yeah, like I said about Mary Paulson and Paul Paulson, he's out there for uh, from an artist's perspective, living the dream. He's inspired. He keeps himself busy. He grows. He uses all different kinds of things. Never satisfied but very proud. I mean, he's, yeah, that's what he's up to. How'd you meet him? Because I think that maybe also says something about a little bit how this, how this trip also works as a, as a fluid thing. Yeah, it was very fluid. Um, it was very fluid. And that was also one of the big benefits of doing it by myself, I have to say, which I was really nervous about in the beginning, but in the end, it was a, a really positive thing. But, um, I knew I wanted to meet him, but I was a little uh, apprehensive as far as like time of day, just because he's old. And I thought, I don't know, for some reason, I think you should visit old people in the morning. So it was kind of late. So I was going to visit another site. Um, it was like June 19th. And I saw him sitting on a corner, like an intersection, just down the hill from where his place is, I found out later. Um, and yeah, I parked the car which I must say I wouldn't have been able to pull that maneuver if I hadn't been driving all that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you grow and can like achieve different things. So right. I parked the car and came up on him and he was sitting there with all these signs out to make a statement for Juneteenth. And yeah, that's how I met him. And um, then we spent like three days together, like talking about art and life. And you came back a few times. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the only place that I stayed longer than one night during yeah. the trip. All right, we're going to listen to a little bit of the first meeting. Oh, yeah. Can I just say that if you have trouble with the record, like the quality, I apologize. But that's where the scene is set. The first meeting is at an intersection outdoors. So <laughs> enjoy the texture. <laughs> Next. Tell you about a country hard and my mama's favorite country. She used a car anywhere she found. And it went, went together. Horse to horse. Now you find the most things in the newspaper, you find the two horses to take together. You get yeah. Sweetest thing could ever touch a baby and treat the world like everything in the world for me. I can't explain, but different. The only thing in love of a black man or African male is that mother. And she would go all the way to the end of the earth. And the thing about it, you got to always remember, what can you do to give back to the earth? You give your heart to the earth. Because the earth have given you its hope. And it ain't too much work that you can't do to appreciate the Lord give you a chance to be able to express yourself in a way where somebody can understand that you got something to say. And the best way to have something to say is to make something, to do something, and stand back and watch them look at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you ain't done that. Hey, you 
Because people think, you know, I mean, I'm from down here. People think that uh, people down here aren't smart enough to know where to put their stuff. So they always assume somebody's stealing. You know what I'm saying? It's something. It's a, it's a, you have the right to give your stuff if you want to give it. It's your stuff. You can give it. Let me tell you something. You know. You get water from a well, you prime. Be a prime. Yeah. By dragging himself in the back of museums to the side of museums. But see, the African himself is a whole of a history. Let me tell you how we is as a people. 
See, they thought we didn't know. Yeah. We used to take old, make old fish out of mouth. Get old newspaper, old newspaper just start to paste it up all in the walls and cracks and stuff inside the house to keep up with what was going on. And then, everything that we had used in the back was a pile of history. Yeah. And come by your house and look at all that little junk pile up there. Uh-uh. See, attachment to things that made us get to what we got. Have a, a stirring feel about it. Yes. You know how you, you can see all that pile up back there. My grandma can walk out there with that cane and pull that piece down. Boy, let me tell you a piece of history about that piece there. Yeah. That's a pile of junk. They say it's a pile of junk. But every society that had something buried some of what they had for the people. Yeah. Now, the art world, tell you how Bia made that big old book, so gone. Yeah, deep. yeah. Look at that. He made that number two book, so gone deep. Yeah. James on the book. A million dollars. Yeah, I seen her with a with a Lonnie Holly up there. <laughs> Friends. <laughs> Can you imagine? That is, that is, she comes through there. I'm an old veteran. Hey, something with a tool. Here? No. Uh -uh. <laughs> Did you put on his suit, Joe? Did you dress out? <laughs> I don't know when they come to window. They come to window. It was um, intense with the traffic. Yeah, yeah, it's like, um, But there were a lot of significant things said, um, I think. I agree. I mean, my problem with the first encounter is that I'm a little nervous. I'm not the best field recorder, I don't think, because I don't want to, like, intrude in people's space. So mm -hmm. I was just out there with my phone, yeah. you know. But um, I think if you can decipher it he definitely um hits on what i think are a lot of well it just sets the tone of what kind of mind you're dealing with so you mentioned so what we have here is is, is a man who's dedicated a large part of his life now to um, a sacred ground mm -hmm. um, with a lot of material mm -hmm. that he keeps building onto mm -hmm. uh, metal wood uh, mm -hmm. and in this uh, recording he's also speaking about uh, those histories that they buried. Every society has these histories, mm -hmm. these materials. Yes. That they carry their own histories. Yes, and what's interesting about um, Mr. Minter's place is that he's actually literally, I don't know if it's clear, but he's, his site is literally the cemetery, the black cemetery of Birmingham, Alabama. So I don't know okay. if that's clear. So where his house is, which his father built, mm -hmm. it's on the on a dead end right a different neighborhood maybe you would call it like a cul-de-sac right? right yeah and then uh cemetery mm -hmm. up on a hill and it's the historical black cemetery so when he's talking about feeling the ancestors and buried there's also a very literal sense of that yeah when you're there physically um but yes so we're talking about somebody who's devoted their life and time to this endeavor so there's a spiritual uh, aspect to it in the history of the peoples themselves that have been buried there and there's his own sort of and i don't know if these are right terms but spirituality and the materials that he uses and this this 
you said at the beginning, kind of like an installational Yeah, I mean, process. it's sprawling. And um, he really won't, likes it to be known that he's not like, um, you know, going out to find all this. Like when his wife was alive, they would just go to flea markets. Like he buys stuff in bulk and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's not like... Um, the sacredness of his materials comes from the way he uses it and the symbolism that he imbues and the connection that he makes to narratives that he wants to communicate mm -hmm. is the way that I understood it. So it's not, oh, this special grass from this special place, but it's more like, if you look at images of his work, you know, he always uses chains, right? So that is a very literal, but also a very useful sculptural tool mm -hmm. right so there's a duality in what he's doing as far as the content and the narrative and then the way that that squares in his material universe and what i will say is when you look at that it's like you know if you look at like some kind of high baroque church or something and at first it looks like totally crazy but then when you look there's like a very advanced internal logic mm -hmm. and that's what's going on with him did you get a sense in any way of that lo logic in the conversations you had oh yes i mean he's very aware as far as like what he's building okay there's the whole yeah god part and history part but there's also something that's um he calls jesus the streetwalker yeah right so i mean and he's interesting because he's knows the bible but that's also a really interesting book right depending on where you come from, come, what angle you want to come to it at. But as a narrative, that's like a very impressive book. I've never read it, but I admitted that to him like sometime at the end of the first meeting, right? Because a lot of the things he has written on his work have biblical references. And I'm like, you know, Joe, like I wasn't raised in the church. Mm -hmm. And he's like, me neither, <laughs> you know? So, I mean... The, he also has uh, other historical references. Yes, he has other. He's into, of course, the spirit of um, agape, mm -hmm. right? And and um, histories with like, you know, he was telling me this thing at the top of the monument at the Washington Mall. There's like a small sculpture of a Native American woman. Mm -hmm. So he's into all sorts of narratives of like essentially pride and triumph that's actually. an interesting part actually because i did listen to when he was speaking about the native american at the top of the capitol building yeah. and i was wondering was it a native american who was depicted in some way or illustrated their history on the top of the capitol building or was he referring to um the the language because he says we the people that's a native yes. american that's native american language yes i think he's talking in about other words saying the... like uh, you know what I mean? That there, that there is a, a colonization, obviously, yeah. uh, that had taken place, um, but also this sort of um, overbridging of of one language into the other. That's what I think is the most impressive, or one of the most impressive aspects. If we, um, I mean, of course they're inter intertwined, but if we step aside of what he's achieved in his sculptures and mm -hmm. as an artist, if you just look at. Um, you know, some of the things he says, like, I think we'll hear it later, like, to, you know, love everything in here or treat everything like it's a baby, like these sort of sentiments of pretty radical, like, care and acceptance 
I don't know. I think it's... Uh, you begin to say, yeah. what do you give back to the earth? Yeah, I mean... Also has that history. Yeah. What do you bury again? Yeah, it has that... I just think there's like an optimism that I can only attribute like to, of course, a lived life. But I think from my perspective, of course, I'm coming to it as an artist, but I'm like in all these practices that I encountered during the trip, it seems to be a very particular flavor of like sustaining force. How do you mean the, the, the choice to make and devote your time to making art if you do it seriously, and I'm not saying I'm there or something, but like I observed it definitely mm -hmm. in Joe. I observed it in Mary. Like if you devote, it's a sort of weird fountain of energy or something. Mm -hmm. It's really weird to see. And th to me, that was really moving. So, I mean, that's like the a big takeaway. And, and I don't, I don't really... I don't really know how that happens. A, a lot of these people attribute it to God, but it's when I think about it, if you're raised in a place where the un, like where discussion of art as like a transcendent thing isn't in the conversation, like God is the most common name for like the unnameable. So it makes sense that a lot of these practices mm -hmm. are, are linked to that higher thing. But I don't know. I have a suspicion that they don't really mean God because also most of these people aren't going to church actively, which is also interesting. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling, but I don't think it's rambling actually yeah. because that church. So at a certain point, he does speak about uh, the, the the possibly misunderstanding mm -hmm. between you and he when he speaks about the top of his own uh, mount, the ancestral mound. Yeah, there, there is a, a. I don't remember if it was a statue of American Indian. Uh, what's on the top? Sorry, on the top of in 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 the Washington. Monument. No, at his. Uh... No, at his place. We're just literally on top of a okay. hill. The cemetery is a raised ground. Yeah, because he does speak about being high enough, and and you referred to the altitude yeah. situation of it, and, and yeah. I believe that he's really speaking about the spiritual aspect of it. Look, I have to say <laughs> that like it should be known that there's you know Joe is sober I was sober during the whole thing but I think like there are some times that we're talking on different planes sure um but I think that if you can hold the pace with somebody even through that then mm -hmm. it's like at the end you also come to like a different type of understanding yeah um but I think that yeah, I mean, he says a lot of stuff in what we just heard, too, aside from he says a lot of kind of practical things also about what he thinks about actually the art world and how, yeah, yeah what it takes to move a vision through that, yeah, those channels. Yeah. I mean... I mean, you, you, both of you are laughing at a certain point about uh, your work being looked at. And then standing back and seeing what people see in your work yeah. when they're looking at it. Yeah. You're even mentioning, you know, that you just pretend you're not even the artist and you just ask somebody, so what do you think? Yeah, he got a kick out of that. Yeah. He got a kick out of that. And that's like... He says elsewhere also, uh, art is a strange bunch. Yeah, artists, yeah, are a strange bunch. And I think that there's just... To be somebody working by yourself to your own rhythm but also have an awareness of how you land 
in the world outside of your world that you've chosen to occupy yourself, you know? I think that's really a brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that his willingness also to in a certain way defend himself through this discussion of Bill Arnett, who is the art historian who compiled like the uh, original collection that made the Souls Grown Deep Foundation. This is who he's talking about in this recording. Yes, yeah. he's he talks about um, Bill Arnett, and essentially what he's talking about is is like ownership and 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 agency, because he's saying that Bill Arnett was kind of crucified as as being a thief, as collecting this stuff, and you know, being sort of the white guy who's putting all this work from black Southern artists in museums. But um, Joe makes it very clear that he thinks that he's like a trailblazer, you know, and, and, you know, he even connects Arnett's, I guess, strategy in getting that stuff into museums. He even connects that to the way he understands yeah, black people in America, how they infiltrate, you mm-hmm. know, for lack of better better sure. word, you yeah. know, um, and that's like, yeah, just as somebody as a, you know, art, we're we're seeing connections between disparate things, and just as a thing, I, I yeah, I it's think a, it maybe connects. the same as back at yeah. the museum, as you said, it's yeah. the father and the son explaining the story, um, in this case, Bill Arnett. Uh, and somebody like Joe Minter mm-hmm. yeah, in, in, in creating visibility and creating yeah. dissemination. And Jane Fonda. And, me, and Jane Fonda. Yeah, Jane Fonda. I don't know if you catch that. that. No, so sorry. Jane Fonda has given millions of dollars, at least a million that I know of, to the Souls Grown Deep Foundation. Okay. And if you know, maybe you know Lonnie Holly's music. No. Um, there's an artist who's also from Alabama who's younger than um, Joe Minter, but he has um, one or two music albums, and then he also makes sculptures. And Jane Fonda is like a huge fan of his. So mm-hmm. there's like all these, you can find like a Getty image of like Jane Fonda <laughs> and Lonnie Holly. Yeah, and it, it's like, why should that be funny? But it fucking that's is. Sure. And he's laughing Barbarella. at it too. So that's what he's saying. So they came in a bus. Right. There's a, another recording. They came to his place okay. in a bus to look, right? And what he's essentially talking about is optics and representation. Yeah. And when you hear it from this perspective, like the choice that I want myself in a museum and I'm the same way as anybody takes an opportunity that, oh, should I really do this? Is this the best way? Mm. This person also has that right. Yeah, so that's what he's talking about in, in to me in this part. And yeah. there's some interesting things when you listen closely. I've listened to this a bunch of times, so I don't know if you caught it, but he's talking about how Bill Arnett came to decide to start looking at this work again and he said oh yeah he was looking through a magazine or something and sees these quilts mm. so he's talking about the g's benz quilts okay. right and those are quilts made by women in g's ben and they were shown like i guess probably late 80s because when i was in art school the older teachers loved to show that as like a wow other people make abstract, you know, right. here's Albers kind of, right? <laughs> you know, so it's interesting to see how... That amateurism also, no? Or the idea... Yeah, and the that. primitivism and the outsider, insider. Yeah, and whatever. We address there's a lot that of terms later. Yeah, there's a lot of terms for it, but um, it's just interesting to see 
um, essentially the sort of yeah lens that a lot of these artists have been seen through. And for me, it was really great to experience the work firsthand because it's like really good, good sculpture, you know, however you cut it. I mean, it's very good sculpture. So that was also great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to leave with Joe Minter. All right, let's do that. Um, Maybe also to sort of give an introduction to the final um, track. Okay. You're in his house now? We're outside. So we're Sorry, at outside, his house. Outside. Yeah, we're at his house. Um, everything that he has made is is outdoors. Like what, what the public can, can see is outside. So we're sitting in a sort of... Uh, we're sitting in a sort of... Um, we're sitting in... <laughs> no, sorry. We're sitting in a like gazebo that he made himself. And okay. so you can hear the bugs. Maybe if you hear some clanging, it's... A, Chimes, you know. And um, you also hear like a constant sound. What's he, what's he doing? He is folding a small paper man, like two-part paper little figure. And he learned how to do that when he was in school. If you listen to the end of the recording, he describes some of his experience in school and how he learned to do that. But he's, yeah, using... Making his own art supplies, you know. Before I turn it on, um, maybe a final thought for now, at least. Mm-hmm. What, what maybe what this all could lead to? Um, oh well, I mean, is for, there anything you you dare say about that? I mean, work-wise, I don't have specifics. Um, he says something really exciting in this recording about working outside, and he also in another part talks about letting God's color get on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I'm not religious. Just keep that in mind. But <laughs> don't worry. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> uh, no, but as far as how this manifests, for me, I found a lot of affirmation in this whole trip. Like I found, I feel really connected to this way of working and... um that for me, of course, when you find that kind of affirmation gives like, yeah, momentum. But yeah, I don't really have a direct answer on where it will lead. I hope to figure out a way to get this audio to the public in a legible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe some kind of publication with also audio and transcribed so it's <laughs> yeah. easier. Yeah. Um. Thanks so much for bringing the audio here, at yeah. least first. So we I'm could, very so excited. Give a, give a shot at it. Yeah, um, thank you for having it. It was a pleasure. It's a gift that God gives you to be able to express that part of him that is a mystery. See, art is some of God's mystery. He gives give people lots of mystery. The ones that he know gonna use them for the good. This is a nice thing you made here. That's complicated. Make, I know I'm telling you, dear. How do I remember? I'm 80 years old. How do I remember this? <laughs> Are you 89 or 80? 80. I'm born in 43. Okay. 
I thought you were 89. I've been, I, I've been out here spreading it. I've been making yeah. it even bigger. I say yeah. he's 89 years old. And... <laughs> Put some age to it. Age I don't deserve yet. I just crossed the line to be an elder, an African elder, really. How old see? do you think I am? That it would. I'm 34. Did I get you? Yeah. I know I got you. <laughs> I didn't have to look long either. Can I tell you your face, tell you your whole story? Yeah. I bet you went to the house and didn't even do what I told you. I did do it. I told you what I did. did you get it. out of it? Well. Do you do you get more played out of smiling or do you get more played out of frowning up? No, I get more pleasure out of smiling. Yeah. What would I do? What's gonna happen here? What would I get there? This is, I think this is, wait a second. This we got, what I thought is, you got the middle part here. Mm -hmm. Oh, now. Oh, oh, believe me, I'm not rushing you. Take your time. Back where at the right. I'm supposed to be wrong. Mm. What do we got here? Some legs. That's wide, that's it. Oh, that's smart. So that's smart. Here, a piece of scotch tape for some reason. I got some tape in the car. I got masking tape. Yeah, when you get time. I'm just going to give it to you like this. Huh? Oh, you don't want me to tape it up now? You can uh, you can do it later, because no use in making no trip, but you can put a head on or anything you want to put on. <laughs> That's a nice outfit, too. Well, all you need, you can put your head or anything on it. Then I tell that looks pretty could, good. Then I tell you, a man can make a man. Mm-hmm. Did you say I'm in the folds and mm -hmm. twisted and tearing? I thought I didn't know where we were going, actually. But I now, trusted Joe gonna you. ride with you from now on, because that's Joe. <laughs> Not Joe, but that's the peacemaker. Yeah, that looks pretty good. That's the peacemaker. That looks pretty good, Joe. And I like that pinstripe suit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> There had to be something that the teachers taught us with just what they had in there. Yeah. Think about you could get a sheet of paper anyway. Yeah. So making your own art supplies. 
Did, and books and things like this, you had the old books or you had good Wrote books? through with all kind of names and half of the pages ripped out. <sighs> State books. We mm. didn't have a chance. But the teacher, all, the scheme of a teacher was right up on that book. The first thing you're going to see is character development. Mm. Then you're going to have what you call doing the others you haven't done you. Mm-hmm. 23rd song. And have what it takes to bring you together in harmony to be able to say, I love everything in here. I'm going to show you on that. All right, let's go over there. Because it kind of get in the neck and it's mm-hmm. getting in the darkness. We better go. Tipping in the darkness. We better go over there. Look at all my things. When you get time to put your piece of. I will. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep this out. Let me talk that for you that. What you're going to have to make, too. Mm-hmm. I got lots of assignments now. You gave Ain't me lots. Is that what you come here for? <laughs> yes. Actually. 